0: But we're all pretty well-adjusted people, right? I got cake, bread, and sauce. blah segue.
1: I'm not convinced that what Coda is doing is quote-unquote unhealthy.
0: I don't really know what more to say on that. Wait, on the mouth or on the cheek? That's uncomfortable.
1: In order to open the next door, you have to be willing to sit in the darkness.
2: Hello and welcome to the Emotive Pixels Podcast. I am Will Atkinson and I am joined by Paulie Kroll, Jeff Giriando, Nate Stevens. And our very special guest.
1: Dr. Frieda Lee, a psychologist. This
2: is our very special episode for the Beginner's Guide. Before we get started, please be aware that all of our podcasts are extremely spoiler-heavy. If you're afraid about getting spoiled about anything in this game, stop now, go check it out, and come back. It's only about an hour hour and a half. Well worth the playthrough, but welcome to come listen to us. In order to help introduce our cast members, we like to go over a little bit of a, a question. So to start this podcast off, what is the favorite thing that you've ever created?
3: Ooh, that's a very good question.
2: We'll give the guys on the podcast a few minutes here to think about it. I have a a couple of them, but I think probably the one that is most relevant to the moment is I think that this podcast is one of the the most, one of the things I'm really happy about having had a hand in creating.
3: Obviously, uh, I enjoy being on this podcast, but I don't consider myself a creator, seeing as I'm not. I just kind of joined in after you guys had it up on its wheels and running. You don't create content? Uh, No, I'm not a content creator, but I am a, a musician. And I write music, so it's tough actually picking a favorite song that I've written, but probably like my first song that I was actually proud of. It's called Unravishing, and it's a fun little ditty about
0: abortion. That doesn't and sound fun. Can I be critical? It's
3: mostly fun cool. for me. It's a ditty. Um, it's a ditty, I don't That's know. It, all my songs are very multi-meaning, and I would like to say they're deep, but they're probably just pretentious. But it explores the topic from many different angles, and that's why I think it's fun, because it's not super judgy.
0: Is there a way for us to hear it? It may be
2: in the middle of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not super
3: proud of the recording of it, but we could probably put it up.
4: the coin on his happy little ditty and go with a uh, strong running in my life right now would be the fetus that's uh, hanging out in Dr. Frida belly. <laughs> Dang it, he's oh, gone. So <laughs> no, 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 you
1: have
0: no a, we,
4: you we have can a share that
0: with, one. Do you have a very elegant way with words, if I may say. That's a pretty good answer. He's got me beat.
1: If I have to top that one, because <laughs> that was mine.
4: It's the fetus in my belly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's the life that we're making together.
4: Dang. That's sweet. What's so special about that?
3: <laughs> right?
1: You want to hear 0. all that. Seven billion.
4: <laughs> what the engineers? No,
1: I mean like the life we're living. You know, like oh yeah, the home, the house. That's really good the too. The baby, the whole life.
4: I like it oh, a
3: lot. Yeah,
1: good job. Well,
3: quite a bit more important okay, than nice. this dumb little podcast or any <laughs> song I made.
1: Oh, that's all part of the life.
0: Okay, Davey. <laughs> all right then, uh, Nate. I thought I was going to be the sappy outlier. I was going to say the friendships and the memories I made in particular out there in Seattle since moving out there for college. It was a big deal for me and very life-changing. I kind of got to reinvent myself, and I'm very thankful that I met everyone that I did, especially you guys, and that means a lot to me. But uh, I did not win the sappiness contest. I'm sad. (laughs) You made
3: me a little teary-eyed, actually, because, <gasps> oh, like, I really liked meeting you. When I first joined, I met Brian first out of this group, but I had to kind of, like, introduce myself to you guys through Facebook because Brian's not the best at oh, that kind of thing, you know? The time we met. <laughs> so we, me and Nate went on a little date out at a bar, and it was quite a fun little man-date, but he made me feel real comfortable, and it was a good time. That was fun. Cool. So the beginner's guide. What the heck is the beginner's guide, Polly? I guess I can... To sort of take that. I'm going to try to separate what I feel the beginner's guide is about what is actually presented to us. It's presented as the creator of The Stanley Parables second release on Steam, for purchase. He introduces himself as the narrator and says that this is going to be an exploration of another developer friend, game developer friend he has, Coda, and he wants to show us these games and kind of walk us through them and let us know about his friend Coda through the games. I think the kind of the purpose he has is finding out who Coda is through his games, which is obviously a complex thing to get into, but pretty much we're presented with these short between maybe five to 10
2: minutes a piece, probably.
3: Yeah. Some of them last one minute to 10 minutes would probably be the longest one, but short little games that are mostly kind of. You walk around an environment, and you can click on a few things. Very little interaction. There's some uh, speech option, options and things like that, but pretty much we and go kind th-
2: of common themes throughout the course of the games.
3: Yes, recurring themes and common themes. And uh, one of the important things is the narration goes throughout the game and kind of he lets you know what he thinks about this and what this means and, and certain things. So we go through a lot of that, and it starts off pretty lighthearted, I would say, and fun. It does take a dark turn towards the. And where the games begin getting, what seems darker and darker. A lot of like being trapped in prison themes and fixation things like that. Fixation
2: on those kinds of things. Yeah. And
3: fixation on depression and not wanting to continue creating games and things like that. The fourth wall is broken many times within the games. And towards the end, we're finally confronted with the final game that the narrator knows of. It was sent to him directly that after he completely goes in and changes the code to the game, allowing the player to finish it, there's a message at the end directed to him, to the narrator, Davy Rendon, to stop trying to add meaning to his game, stop changing his games and showing them to people, and that he doesn't want, to, doesn't want anything to do with the narrator, actually. And he feels sorry for him and doesn't want him to continue showing his games to people, which is quite ironic, seeing as this game is an exploration of this other developer, Coda's Games. At the end you you have an epilogue where the narrator kind of talks about if he has a problem, what his problem is, and he kind of just, after exploring that for a little bit, just kind of walks away and leaves you in the environment.
2: There are a couple of themes which I think are important throughout the game. There's the, the theme of the, the puzzle. There's one puzzle that shows up in a whole bunch of the different games. There is the light tower. There are the three dots which we believe uh, become to represent the machine inside. There's the standing in front of a, a crowd. There's the prison, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Talking both to these weird people and talking to yourself
3: are both themes throughout the game. That's going to get into my more thorough explanation. But for an overview, yes, all these themes do happen <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, especially the door keeps reappearing as a uh, the door puzzle where you open it on one end. You have to close it behind you before you can move
0: on. At the end, there's a strong theme of social external validation. I mean, I don't know if we mentioned that. It almost seems like that's what the game becomes about explicitly by the end of the game. Yeah,
3: in the epilogue, he definitely says that directly. Yeah. We will
2: dive into all of these themes and uh, topics here shortly. But before we do that, on a slightly lighter note, it it is time for Will's Quiz
0: Minute. (laughs)
2: So this is probably isn't fair to Jeff and Frida, but for the mo- for the rest of us, the tray icon for this game
3: was a very specific symbol.
2: What was that symbol?
3: Well, it's I wouldn't have known what that symbol was, I don't believe, <laughs> unless Will told me what the symbol was. <laughs> oh, I just gave it away spoilers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, elegantly phrased. Question number 2.
2: What is Davy Wren's Twitter name? Here are the choices. (laughs) Number one, Dance Wasabi. Number two, Hello Cake Bread. Or number three, Coda's Mentor. Uh, uh. Whoa. Next question. Which development engine were these games created in? Frida's just writing down (laughs) 1.6. It's
1: the one that's good at making boxes. (laughs)
2: Okay, the next are a list of the game ideas in the game room. Which of these was not one of the game ideas in the room? A game of only motivational posters played one after another while the player cannot move. You are a gate. A game in which you can only walk backward. You walk around talking people down from pursuing their hopes or dreams. The next two questions are... How old is Davy, Davy Wren, at the time of this recording? And where does Davy Wren live? So, Polly, it seems like you know what the symbol for the game was in the I'm gonna tray. I'm going to say it's a coda. It was, in fact, a coda. <laughs> Boom. A circle with
3: a square through it. <laughs> hey, funny part was, nice. not being a musician, I didn't know what the coda <laughs> symbol was. I was thinking it was more like the the little hook with the two dots, but I was wrong about that one.
0: Can you explain what the coda means in music, Will? So the coda is typically the end, of,
2: or like a, a a part of the song that is the end of the song, like and so you repeat.
0: The, it's like you,
2: there there you, are times when you'll have like multiple codas. Uh, I think it's like DS coda or something where you can have like a coda. second ending. Second ending, but basically the coda is the the end, the tail of the song, the
3: outro. I believe the is outro. the best yeah. way to put it. <laughs> cool. Number
2: two, Davy Wren's Twitter name is Hello Cakebread.
3: Yes. Yes. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Cakebread. I got I got two
0: points so far.
2: The development engine these games were created with was?
0: Source. Steam.
2: Source, right. Source. Yes, yep. you, said, you I said, said it wrong. Steam. <laughs> <laughs> Source engine, yes. <laughs> which of the following was not one of the game ideas? A game in which you can w- only walk backward was not was one of the idea? lists. That oh, was, was not part
1: of the game. Wow. wow. Nice
0: one.
3: Good, good trickery yeah, there. That's, that's
2: right. pretty masterful. Davey Wren is 32 years old. Oh,
0: Woo! I guess 34. <laughs> I got that one. I was gonna guess it's 32, 32. It's and
3: then I erased it and put 27 <laughs> for some
0: reason. Wow. So he's
2: about about the age of most of us. Yeah, so that's it's true. That's kind of interesting. I think that's interesting seeing what this guy has done with his life at that kind of uh, kind of age. And he's from Toronto, Canada. Oh, of course it's Canada. Oh. Thought you would appreciate that name. I like
3: life
0: for did. Threat, that's huh? where Craig is right now.
2: All right. So how did you guys do? Who thinks they won? Ooh.
0: Poorly. I
3: got one, two, three.
0: I got three. I guess that he was 27 and from Seattle, because I had no fucking clue. I guess 34 and from England. I got cake, bread, and sauce. Oh God, he didn't it was seem 32. to have much of an
3: English accent.
0: No, but right. I, I just associate him with the English accent of the Stanley Parable. That is perfect.
2: Yeah. I think the thing we should start with is, who is Coda?
3: Well, that's an interesting question, because I don't think anybody knows who Coda is. Who do we think Coda is? Boy, I think Coda is a made-up person that doesn't exist. Frida, do you think Coda is made
1: up? Well, I was assuming he was a real person until you guys said that he wasn't. But I'm not familiar with the video game world. I don't know how this works.
3: None of us do. This is not. This is completely
2: common. different than almost anything else we've done. So yeah, I this
3: is unique. It's it's messed up because the the creator of the game releases a game and he tells us like the, what you just played through. It's the same thing we all did. But I, I, I don't know. I have reasons for thinking that it's not a real person. Mainly the fact that I bought this game and him selling somebody else's work without their express consent would be violation of law. And unless Coda just didn't come forward for some reason and mm-hmm. say, hey, these are my games and it's messed up that you're doing this. Also, I have faith um, that Davy Rendon is not a terrible person, which completely that- changes the view of the game, right. I think, which is why I love this game so much. Yeah, that's a good question. And it doesn't even make me sad.
0: Fuck, man. Did did you say it doesn't make you (laughs) sad?
3: No, it doesn't make me sad because that. To think that... I don't know when to get into this, but I feel like talking with you guys a little bit, I was the one person who was like, this game's kind of funny because it does something that's hard hard, hard for me to really explain because, I mean, if Coda doesn't exist, then he created this whole narrative including the part where he has a problem, although he does have previous blog posts that we can get into about talking about his depression after making his previous game and from his need for validation. However, he's releasing this to the public in a way that we kind of have to explore these thoughts. So it's like a meta endless hole of crawling up his own ass. And like, <laughs> it's it's just so perfect to like ever... Tr- try to find out what and the way he's like presenting it oh you can define your own meaning from it he will not tell anybody who coda is if coda exists or anything like that that's why i love that and it makes me smile once i realize all that at first it's like yes it's obviously dark but it's a dark humor that he's injecting into it for me that's so fucking awesome i'm very confused i didn't think think of it like
0: saying an author who writes a book with two different voices or more than one character is i don't know it's like treating it differently because it's one author writing it
3: i had some problem with that as well and i will recommend a youtube video to help you through that as it helped me it's by innuendo studios it's the title of the video is the artist is absent davy rendon and the beginner's guide Mm -hmm. and it's more i cannot sum it up obviously it's a half hour long video definitely worth watching if you have the time but it's kind of the main thing I would take away from it is a lesson that that the person who created this YouTube video is learning from this game is not to mistake the narrator for the author. The narrator is something that the author creates for their art. Right, I think
2: that's sure. a really good distinction. I, I think that the thing that gets people so... Entwine and feel like really personal about this is just the way that this thing is presented it feels like a, I'm presenting this to you when obviously he wrote this story with the intention of portraying it as a story but it feels like a hey we're having this one on one conversation hey I'm the streamer here's this video game that I'm playing and you guys are just feels really real. And and that's part of it.
3: It's so honest. Like at the beginning, he says, he says his name, his actual name. He doesn't come up with a fake name. He gives his email address, actual email address. (laughs) And he's like, and what we're going to do is this. Is that what we actually do? No, I don't believe that. Now, the great part about this for me is it's possible that that is like, there's still people out there on the internet that think that he stole some guys, game ideas and put them up and made money off it. And he's a horrible, horrible person. I don't believe that, but...
1: Well, he's this, like, sympathetic character because he's, like, freaking out, right? He's having, like, a total emotional meltdown. And I actually thought that that was the most not believable part, just how desperate that part sounded. And now that sort of Polly's talking about this circular nature i i suddenly feel like i'm in on the joke like this is like the ultimate exercise of narcissism because yeah. he's getting you to have this crisis with him and then it's like ah the joke's on you
3: it's important to note that that i feel like some of, of many of these feelings are actual feelings he had though but it's there's no good way for him to express them is there any good way for you to bring up the blog post he had before releasing this game
2: yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and there's a rather long blog post where he goes into details about what he wrote. And then he wrote a little comic.
3: I'm going to go ahead and read the comic part. Before before you read the comic, just to give a little bit of insight as what it's about is he he obviously created The Stanley Parable and it got rave reviews. Like it did, it was a very successful classic. Everybody loved this game. And it's it's a good it's a damn good game. But he talks before this comic, he talks about why he's releasing it and how although he's super grateful for his fans, he had a lot of trouble dealing with how much praise he got, and he started to go into a depression and, and have a lot of problems with it. So I,
2: I would highly recommend that anybody listening go, if you've got time, go in and read the blog post. It's at uh, galactic-cafe.com, and we'll, there'll be a link to it in the podcast. And he, like Paulie said, he goes and puts the background on this comic, and I'll go ahead and read the comic. With, there are a couple of nice little pictures to kind of illustrate it all. But here's the we'll comic. put
3: a link in the yeah. podcast.
2: There's a phrase that's been haunting me lately. Game of the year. Since Stanley Parable launched, I felt kind of unhinged, floating between two emotional states. On one hand, a sense of ownership for this thing I've worked on for years. On the other hand, a loss of having turned that ownership over to hundreds of thousands of people. Adrift in this gap, I am desperate for something to latch onto, any form of validation that will give my work, the work of my life meaning again. Game of the Year is one way of doing that. Every time a new set of awards comes out, it's like my ego just shotgunned a Red Bull. We're not here, we're not here, shit, shit, shit! No wait, we are! We did it! We're on the list! Thank God! I read the little blurb under our name and it says basically the same thing as every other blurb about the game. I close the tab. Each new receipt of Game of the Year does little more than set the standard of my own satisfaction. The most significant and direct outcome of being nominated is that I become more deeply unsettled by being omitted on subsequent lists. Can't they see how deserving I am? The reality is that being given an award for your art is like being given the sun. No matter how you dress it up, the gift is ultimately intangible, distant. Trying to hold on to it will kill you. And like, I know all of this, but for some reason I continue to viciously crave the validation. I imagine each new Game of the Year list might shower me in. Like a drunk wandering from bar to bar, looking for a fight, I am compelled by each new venue, each new possibility that this time a victory will temper the anxiety forever. I am drinking to solve the problem of being an alcoholic. Okay. So this all sounds really negative. Let me take a minute to clarify something. I am super grateful and astoundingly happy for the critical and commercial success of The Stanley Parable. The fact that we have been on any game of the year lists is incredible, and I am humbled by it every single day. But I also know that, like eating an entire chocolate cake, it has some hidden side effects, and too much of anything isn't good for you. I am also not resentful toward any journalists doing these awards. They're generally good people, and it's not their job to dance around my insecurities. I'm just trying to put these insecurities into words as best I can, to make them more visible to myself, to keep them from consuming me. It also helps when I see a Game of the Year list without Papers, Please, and I think, oh yeah, it's all bullshit.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What what does that mean? Does that mean he thinks Papers, Please should be on every list? I yes. Okay, so, yeah. just checking. It came out the same year. I don't,
3: I don't think there's any controversy there. <laughs> no, I don't
0: either.
2: <laughs> At least I know that award season will be over soon—just another month or two. I have a little longer to wait. I have to wait a little longer until that dumb thirst dies down, and I've forgotten why I wrote any of this in the first place.
3: And that is the gist of the comic. <laughs> yeah.
2: So it's really interesting seeing this come from his blog contains almost nothing except for this and one or two other posts.
3: Well, I mean, when I finished this and I kind of was trying to talk to you about it, I was like, it's great. And it, I had some of these feelings that we didn't get into a huge discussion because we were trying to save it for this podcast. But one of the things you brought up was, did you read the blog post? Like, obviously it was dark. Why are you so happy about this and everything? I was like, because it's great.
1: Yeah, I'm still, I
3: don't think that, I don't feel like this was a joke.
1: No, me neither. I,
3: I totally feel like it was a joke.
4: I don't think it's a Joke, uh, I, hearing this blog post written out and just seeing the game played through today and having no other context, I think it's highly probable that Davy is expressing himself more fully in a more fleshed out, more natural for him environment and outlet to talk about his his anxiety, his needs, and realizing that he's not completely healthy. And nobody is, but this is how he wants to tell people about it so yeah i i see the construct and we're going through it and watching davy converse with us as he shows us bits and pieces of and i'm air quoting coda now because i'm falling into that camp i don't think it's a joke joke might
3: be a, a, a wrong way to put it but i think that he has a humor about it which makes this so much healthier than if If I view it the way that I I think that you guys are viewing it, I'm not sure because who knows what's going on in your guys' heads right now. Like, obviously, I'm talking way too much more than I should. But I think that he has a healthy way of looking at it. And this game is kind of, I don't know if it informed that viewpoint or helped create this game. I don't know what came first, obviously. But the way I'm viewing it is he's coming to terms with parts of himself that he didn't know existed. And he's, he's making it seem so unhealthy. But I feel like he's in on it. I feel like he knows what he's doing
2: he framed the game the very the framing the how he approached this in the very first place is built to convince everyone that he is not a good person for wanting to show these games to you mm-hmm. but he created the games
3: that's the thing because that's how he's well so to me coda is himself coda is his his drive to make games his, he coda is the machine that makes him Create. Oh, you think Coda's a machine? That's interesting.
1: I think it's interesting. The word that's popping up is healthy. Mm. That's a judgment, right? Yeah. And it it didn't occur to me that this person is healthy or not healthy. I guess the idea is of like depression, anxiety. He put it all in there. But so many of the themes are just so human. Or to me, where it ran through all the mini games that he presented as being from Coda. You know, he's he sort of gives a narration of like, oh, and then it gets better, and then you see the structure and blah blah blah. But they all present the same themes which is these basic human experiences of loneliness helplessness meaninglessness i mean these are sort of quintessential existential stuff that goes on all in our heads right Mm -hmm. and and the opposite to that or not the opposite but the urges that we have to sort of manage all those feelings that we all have that are quintessentially human is to connect is to make meaning is to find solutions and that's And that's, I think, what he's presenting. And when I think about it more as like, this is an artist telling a story or conveying an experience, like any kind of art that gets us to experience something, this isn't about his health. This is about sharing an experience that perhaps we can all connect with.
0: Yes, I completely agree. This is like an intimate view into what's going on in his head in a very sort of self-aware way, I feel like.
3: I think that's very well-spoken and, and I like I two totally pieces agree. about in
2: particular. The pieces, one, you talked about this is his way of sharing, but it also feels like, at least to him in his inside, like the sharing is not the point and the sharing is wrong. And so he feels like sharing these things, sharing his creations in the first place, is something he should feel guilty about.
3: However, there's also the whole part that I think about that He also had these feelings after he created the Stanley Parable, and he talks about it earlier in the blog, how everybody had so many questions about what does it mean, what does it mean, and he says that the meaning, he kind of lost the meaning in telling so many people what the meaning was. He forgot what it was. And one of the things I think is a strong theme in this game is putting your own meaning to something, and what he does as Davy Rendon, as a narrator— is puts meaning to these games that's not necessarily there as coda says at the end stop injecting meaning into my games
2: i, I definitely at one point frida was sitting behind me you yelled out no that's not what this game means right
1: i was irritated with his narration or his interpretation because mm. i think it was like no let us do the interpreting
3: <laughs> yeah not all just because it's a prison he even brings up the point just because it's a prison it doesn't have to be dark it could be something you, you the fact that As the narrator, he's just cheating his way through it, and he doesn't wait in the jail for an hour. He just gets out immediately, and he's like, oh, well, that part doesn't matter. But what really matters is how depressed this guy is. It's like, maybe that's not what he's trying to say in this. And that's one of the things... That's why irony is one of the things I put on the list, because here we are discussing the meaning of this game. (laughs) It's a game about discussing the meaning of... And we just keep going down that hole.
2: Precursively.
3: Yeah, and that's, that's where I, like, find... The beauty in this art from for myself that's what so that's why I say joke is a bad term like it, it makes me happy that this was created
1: that's sort of like the escheresque theme that runs throughout this game oh the yeah.
2: stairs all over the place the stairs and, uh, the
1: visuals the, the, the mazes the, yeah
2: you also mentioned this is his way of communicating there's a scene where You walk up and you're you're on stage, in in theory, in front of people. And your whole point is that you're supposed to go talk to a girl. And it's like, whatever option you pick is wrong. And he is like this dialogue inside your head telling you that whatever you're doing, you're about to screw this conversation up. And this is the super most important conversation you've ever had in your entire life. And all you've got to do is make sure you do this absolutely perfectly. And it's like sticking that... Like putting all that social anxiety pressure all on your shoulders and making sure you're doing it in front of a big crowd. And then there's all a bunch of people who are like pushing you around and the tension of that communication, that conversation of what a real life, real life, what is thought of as a traditional one-on-one healthy conversation being something that it, he's completely not comfortable with, I think was really an interesting part of the story.
3: And and the fact that it's conveyed in su- with such simple graphics and such simple... The people that are around you, that are crowding around you, are bouncy pinball <laughs> th- things, you know? But there's still that feeling there that, I don't know, it just... It's so... The concepts he's going for are so heavy, and it's almost like effortlessly the way that it comes... Like yeah. It's funny I'm saying that, yeah. but it like i like the game a lot it's
1: like it's just like effortless yet elegant uh, encapsulation of that experience of social anxiety because that's exactly what it is it's being feeling like you're on stage even though you're having a very intimate one-on-one conversation and it's the fear that the spotlights are on and everything you say matters and everybody is judging you and instead of being able to be in the moment to have that interaction what you're doing in your mind is all the things that's going to go wrong and so yeah i mean i think that's a the stage itself is a really great metaphor for that experience
4: yeah. And what I got out of that piece of the game and the game overall, you know, you leap from the stage and, oh, you know, you're like, oh, this is how you approach something. No, that's not the, what, what it is. It's not what you're supposed to do. You got it wrong. Here, let me help you. Oh, you got it wrong again. Here, I'm going to add in another layer of protection when you get it wrong. And then you get to the last game, the tower, and the games immediately before that, you know, Coda is, is going down this dark hole and the Davey's press conference. oh yeah, you know, and Davy's getting worried about his friend, and he's like, oh, he needs help, you know, but he won't talk about it. I need to, uh, I can solve this. I know what's wrong. I know what to do. I can do this. I can show his games around, get him the validation that, that Coda needs. But at the end, you know, it, it, as this this last very complex and punishing fuck you, <laughs> Coda gives Davy the very explicit message of you got it wrong. That is not what I wanted. That is not what I want from you. You you tried and you tried and you tried and you were you were just barking up the wrong tree. Which is what adds
3: s- such mystery behind, like, who is Coda? Because is that the, the developer of this game saying that to us? Is that him talking to himself? Did he actually have a developer friend that he had some kind of relationship with this? With I mean, because he leaves it so open like that, it lets us inject our own meaning to it.
2: I... Absolutely love that little line. Why do you keep putting the, the yeah. light towers in my game? That's like a twist. I'm just like, whoa, holy crap! Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Like, Davy's been lying to this this whole time, or has he, or is he now, or, or, oh
3: yeah. man. Yeah, it goes, it goes, <laughs> it goes deep.
1: So if Coda, so somebody said, maybe code is the machine. So if Coda's the machine, and I'm interpreting the machine to mean the drive to create, as well as that sense of feeling trapped, like once you've created and now you've set yourself this bar and that you have to keep creating, and that the machine stops working. So not only are you sort of stuck in the trappings of the machine, but you've also sort of ran out of these creative juices. If that's what Coda is, I'm sort of thinking aloud here. What does it mean that then the machine says... No, that's not what this is about. That's not what creative, or or sort of the the creative muse is about. Stop trying to interpret me. It it just it's you know I'm what it is. Right? It's what it is.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an unsolvable question. Obviously, we could explore this deeper if we want to. We could we could go further and further down this. I mean, to me, I think it's kind of just the fact that its name is Coda. It's I'm the one that said that Coda's the machine, but I think Coda has multiple kind of meanings to to him. And I think Coda is kind of he calls it Coda because it's his outro. It's his way of getting away from the Stanley Parable onto whatever he's moving on to next. And this that's why I think this game is so important to play after Stanley Parable. I'm sorry that you guys didn't play Stanley Parable first, so this part isn't probably going to make sense. But Stanley Parable is also another very open-ended game with multiple endings. Some of them very depressing. Some of them kind of happy. Some of them just fun. It's very much about game design, as this game could also be interpreted as. And I think because, I feel like this is more about game designers. Yeah, yeah, and I think part, one of one of the things he's exploring here is that exact thing of so many people ask him, "What's the meaning behind this?" Like the closest thing to a prison in Stanley Parable is when you go back home, and it turns into your office. He's kind of like lost, like he said in the blog, he's lost the meaning behind it. And like, he used to have strong feelings about this, obviously, but he's kind of, he's trying, Coda is this mystery to him as well, where he's trying to find what he was feeling then. He's trying to explain like, this is what my art meant. Please just come back to me. I, I could show everybody that it all made sense. Trust me. But he can't do that, obviously. So it's hard for me to like, apply feeling to apply like meaning to it or anything like that, but there's so much meaning to it, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. I think that's why he made it so enigmatic and said he's not going to say who Coda is if Coda's a real person, that kind of thing, because he's leaving that up to us. Because, I mean, it's kind of our problem now, <laughs> you know?
2: I would like, just for a thought experiment, for the next five minutes, let's assume that Coda is a real person. All right. What does, what, how, how do you feel, what do you think about this game, assuming that they're both real people? Do you think that this is a good way for Davey to try and reach out
4: to Koda? No. <laughs> no. Well, no,
0: it's I, certainly...
4: I think it's insanely ineffective as a way of, if they're both real people, and Davey wants to reconnect with Coda and get Koda making games, ooh, he's, that, he's, he's
0: says, going the wrong way. He
3: says explicitly, in a game he sent to only Davey Rendon, stop showing people my games. Right. And then he releases all his games to the public.
0: It's like a way of communicating from a person that's trapped and only being able to communicate through receiving external validation. You know? Like, if you start to understand the world that way. Like, that's the only place you get meaning. Then maybe it makes sense to that sort of mind to share it publicly to get his attention.
1: Well, and here's a person who is then not just... Trying to get external validation for their own work, but they're writing somebody else's coattail. Like this is yeah, why I brought up this idea of reflected glory, right? It's the it's the same reason why we cheer for our teams, why we get excited about football, or you know, get after you know, get really excited about politics. It's because there's some sense of reflected glory that we too win when this other person wins, and I can especially see that if you're trying to take something that you find to be so valuable for the world and. From a recluse, and you 're trying to you know i 'm sharing this great knowledge with the world and what I wrote down was if if this is non fiction, then this is a desperate love letter <laughs> well
0: there 's also the case that it seems that Davy thinks that coda the recognition that Davy will earn coda is the only thing that can help coda become better so it 's like he 's stuck in that mindset that external validation is the only thing, and therefore. Like it's the only way to actually heal Coda from these problems. But it, that doesn't really work because at the end, he comes to the realization that he's the one with the problem.
1: Right. It's the only way that Davey will earn value. What kind of
2: things do you think he would do to try and help somebody like Davey? Uh, Davey or Coda? Uh, I'm curious both now, but I was <laughs> go originally going for Davey.
1: I I don't know that Coda needs help. Okay. Right? That's the going back to the, you know, this. Coda little,
2: definitely thinks he doesn't need help right. or... What we understand.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm inclined to agree because we're implying meaning or inferring meaning from his work, right? How would I help Davy? I think I would get Davy to look at Davy's value. Yeah. Right? As opposed to his inferred value from sharing someone else's work and David's needs for connection and for combating his own loneliness because he's saying this is what I see in myself out of Coda's work. So I think of,
2: like, Polly and I are huge fans of uh, this group, Giant Bomb, but basically their their whole point is they sit and they play games and they talk to people about games they've played. So the value that they provide is showing you other people's games. It feels almost exactly like what Davey's doing in this situation. And I personally think that there is a hell of a lot of value in what Giant Bomb does to provide... And it's, I don't see a really hard line between what Giant Bomb's providing and what Davy is doing to provide kind of this commentary on Coda's work.
3: I so, do.
0: Yeah, I do too. It's all about it's, how it's presented. Yeah, well, in this case, it seems like, from what we're told, it seems like Davey's doing it to help Coda. He, and then later he devolves into saying that he's doing it for his own external validation. Well, blah, that's the blah, thing. Blah. He think, doesn't
3: say that. He says that he's he's doing this as a like she said as a love letter to, to Dakota to try to like get his friendship back to try to get these games back because he wants he wants that same feeling he had from playing his games and showing them to people.
0: Yeah, it could be that, and then he just devolves into psychoanalyzing himself, and then that's where the external validation commentary comes from.
3: Yeah, but well, that's the thing. I think he starts to realize it within the game. Yeah, that's why well, he just kind of. Walks away, drops the mic, so to speak.
0: But I think in the case of Giant Bomb or other streamers, like what they're providing is not only the the base value of the thing that they're playing, but also their contributions on top of that. You know, like you're getting insight, you're getting humor, you're getting entertainment, you're getting whatever you're getting. You're getting something extra.
2: You don't For, feel like what what Davey was providing in this case was more than what Coda originally supplied. It,
3: it all depends, like where where the content came from giant bomb isn't going around and like stealing developers games and showing them to us. Like for example, you asked us about a content we created and I write songs and I've had an album that I've been working on for the past, I don't know, 10 to 12 years. And it's very important to me. Uh, It needs a lot more than that, but I'm a perfectionist, but you asked, can we put that on there? Yeah, maybe. But if you just, if if you found my song somewhere on my computer and then said, hey, I really like yeah. this song, you have to listen to it. It's I'd voyeuristic. I'd be pissed. I'd be so pissed because I'm be like, no, I'm not ready for this art to go out yet. This is something that's special to me that I'm working on. And now if everybody loves it, then Will would have showed this, shown this to everybody without my, I don't know, I would feel bad about that. And well, that's where I think the dark nature of this comes from is Coda doesn't want these games going out to people. Right. It doesn't matter if they're good or not, it's what he's creating them for. And it's like stealing somebody's work. (laughs) Uh, I think it's very wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's adding meaning to what, to what they've produced, you know, giant bomb playing whatever game is like them adding humorous commentary, sometimes maybe occasionally looking into possible meanings, but it's in a world where that content's distributed to everyone and everyone has their own theories,
1: Mm -hmm. privately
0: invading one person and then ascribing meaning to it is kind of, I mean it just it just sounds violating.
3: It's like taking somebody's sex tape and showing it, but you're really yeah. hot, so you shouldn't <laughs> feel ashamed of this.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's obvious that you love this person. Well, actually, maybe I didn't. Like, I don't know.
3: So yeah, if if Kodo's a real person, if this if we take this game for what it said, I think that it's it's wrong and it would be That's that's why I I just don't believe that i think that there's there's too many levels of disbelief for me to think that that actually happened
0: well even if it did happen the game is cool because it takes you on a journey of empathy with coda to the slow realization that this is a little uncomfortable to then the point where you actually see coda's voice saying i don't appreciate any of this and then you've kind of you suddenly you've been turned on yourself sort of like i felt i guess exploited in a way like i've been tricked and i thought that was a very cool thing to do for the game to do you as you you as the player or yeah me as the player like i'd been tricked into empathizing with coda for a depression that he maybe didn't have to me it exposed some of my own biases because i've dealt with depression before and it was kind of like mm. because such a realistic picture of depression is presented that it's impossible not to believe that that's what Coda's going through and then at the end when he's like dude i didn't, that's not actually what i feel at all stop adding the lampposts i was kind of like oh i was projecting my own stuff No, those are completely blank expressions. And
1: and maybe that's Uh, the brilliance uh, of the game, right? Yeah. And I think a great artist can do that, can pull for certain experiences from the observer, from the, in this case, the gamer or the game player, so that you can have your own experience and your own connection to the art.
3: That's what's so beautiful about it is everybody views art in different ways, and some people will feel terrible about this game. And I'm not saying that that's like a great thing for an artist to do. But if I was an artist, I would probably be proud of myself if I made some people feel terrible, terrible and some people feel joy and some people feel humor. You know, That's what it's all about. That's To me, that's the goal. That would be my validation is if everybody cares, I guess, yeah, or so something like evoke that.
1: Evoke a reaction. Right?
4: Yeah. Not everything's a happy pop song.
3: Yeah. I, I like happy endings to movies, but I also love a real sad, disturbing ending to a movie. There's not a right answer, but that's the whole point. Where else why why do it? Unless you just want to make money. Like if he's trying to make money off Coda, then that's another good reason to put out this game. You know. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think there were. It was
3: like thirty dollars when it was released. I mean.
1: I think that's there, not cheap.
2: <laughs> I think there were two points, but definitely, the first time where you read, "Hey, I need you to stop talking to me." Yeah. Both both times I got to that line, I had to stop and had it again right now, had a little tear. That is such a powerful statement. Yeah. I, I think that really tugged the old heartstrings. Was there anything else that you guys thought were particularly emotionally
4: evocative? For me, as a person who's not even a casual gamer anymore, to be honest, right? I'm not used to all this new age game stuff where I have to feel more than <laughs> bang, 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 or, oh, I got him. Hey, yeah, like, got the, whi- the Master or was Sword the back. Whisper Engine? You know? <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm about. And then I'm like, oh, okay, okay, it's, it's this kind of game. And, like, I, I just, I don't associate the word game with, okay, now we're going to have to deal with not even validation, but incorrect validation. I I have enough (laughs) trouble with that with the psychologist's wife, you know, (laughs) trying to deal with feelings and getting it right for the first time. And now I have to get, see this guy or gal without any real pixels in a reflection, talk about another person who may or may not be real. It's a little confusing at first. I'm like left, right, up, down, what's going on? And I was a little better with it after I start relating it to a a paper, a short story, a novel. Something where you know, just okay, I'm gonna suspend disability this way and take it for a ride, and know that it's not going to be as simple as A to B, you know. And in fact, uh, you couldn't even go A to B without cheating in this game. I think I heard you say you felt confused. Do you think that totally? Yeah, I was very confused for a bit because it was like, what am I supposed to feel about this game? What's the purpose of this game? What. What does the developer, what does Davey want out of it? I, I was thinking of big old school blockbuster stuff like Mech Warrior Two and all the Final Fantasy and like, what's their objective? Make money. How do they do it? Uh, have, make me have a good enough time to spend forty, fifty, seventy dollars on a game and tell my friends about it. Okay. On this one, you guys said it cost what, like five bucks?
3: No, it's pretty cheap. When it released, it was thirty dollars. Okay, thirty bucks down to
4: five, and I'm like, is this guy? Is this his livelihood? Is this what he wants? You know, is he is he so clinical in that he's like, okay, I gotta get enough word of mouth that everybody's gonna just question their own existence and they're gonna make their friends question their own existence and choices in life. I'm like, what what am I supposed to be thinking about this game? So I was super confused about that for a little while until I'm like, okay, I'll just settle into it. Let it happen. Did you come to any other emotions or decisions after you got over your confusion? Um, Yeah, it's just like, man, this Davy guy... He doesn't quite get what he's doing, and he doesn't stop himself. I feel bad for Davey. I feel bad for what Davey's doing or not doing with Coda. You know, I'm watching this relationship go. What do you mean by bad? I I feel bad because I'm like, oh, Davey wants something that Coda probably doesn't want for himself. If I if I stepped up to you, Will, I'm like, hey, man, I got you some two-foot-tall two, two foot tall platform shoes. You're welcome. You know? know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you're like, thanks, I guess. I see where you're going. But it's like that gym membership. Yeah. I got you a gym membership <laughs> for yeah. your birthday. We're like- going to get
2: you to up. Well, get or, them even, or even worse, Thinking, telling uh, others, yeah. telling,
3: ex- telling others what's better for Will. I see what you're saying, Will. Like this whole time, you've been trying to say how women are better than men throughout <laughs> uh, this video game. Wait, what? And I totally, I totally feel you. I think you're right, and I think that you don't have to talk anymore. I'll just, I'll just finish for you.
4: Yeah, like, I got this. And and Davy probably got, I don't know, call it seventy percent of what Coda is missing in life or or wants addressed. But when you get 30% wrong and you drive as hard as Davey does in this story, oh man, you're just gonna create a big fat rift. Sorry for interjecting,
3: but I find it kind of interesting that you say I'm not a hardcore gamer, you're not even a casual gamer or anything like that. Whereas this conversation has been going on for quite a while now with what people call walking simulators, interactive fiction, games as art, are games art, can games be art, that kind of thing and i almost feel like you may be better suited to handle this than a ca- than a regular like casual gamer or a hardcore gamer because there's all these tropes that we are expecting from this game like you guys were asking like does it matter what choice you have so a hardcore gamer is going to go back and play this game multiple times and try to find all the different <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, to right? check just, yeah. if, I know, if i do one every time of course if i do something different something different's going to happen right i'm going to change the end of the story i'm going to get the right answer
2: there's a little line where he says don't worry about collecting all of the notes. Nothing's going to happen Yeah. because the first time I got there, I was like, Oh That's fuck, I bet there's an notes. achievement for catching every yeah. one of these notes.
4: <laughs> is like there, I'm going to have to go, I, I don't think so. I yeah. hope, I guess. certainly, <laughs> I mean, yeah, on that note, part of me was super happy when I played through brothers that I played in a way that got me zero achievements because I didn't know about the achievements until it was like too late.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Frida, what do you think? What were you feeling going through this?
1: I thought I, I didn't know to expect that it was fiction, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, Davey, come on, dude!" <laughs> I just felt bad for him throughout, and I just thought his interpretations were so overly interpreted.
2: To feel like what, what do you call it, like shoulder chair psychology or something? Him trying to get arm into his head and
1: armchair. There you go. For. Uh, and trying to get Holy into somebody's shit. hair without
2: having any real idea of what he was doing. Well,
1: except he, I don't know that he knew that that's what he was doing. Like, I think it, the narrator made it sound like it was a real portrayal of this attempt to connect. And, and that desperation was conveyed. And then, but then, like, as you get to the end of the game, once that idea was put in my head of like, oh, this is, this is sort of portraying nonfiction, but it's really fiction suddenly it was like this aha moment like oh this is so much deeper than i thought it was and i thought that <laughs> a lot of it that's like the brilliance of the game i think will maybe you said at some point like it feels like it's wrong to share like he's not supposed to be sharing these and this is like someone else's intimate thoughts and i think that's that's one of the basic points about those deep humanistic experiences that we all have is that in the striving for connection, we're all afraid to actually admit that that's what we're experiencing. And that's how we all end up in our lonely little bubbles with all those notes in our heads, as opposed to like, Oh, everybody else is having that note. Right? Like, but mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah,
2: that was totally a neat comment. I
0: think a little bit. Yeah. I like it. <laughs>
3: I think as armchair psychologist goes, if yeah. if we continue to explore the if Kota were real thing, then it just comes off as extremely more, as as um, Frida was saying, he doesn't know what he's doing and not necessarily, I think it's almost like kind of ham-fisted the way he's trying to push meaning into some of these games. Okay, or maybe it's just a puzzle that he thought of, you know, it doesn't have to be like you have to close the door behind you, perhaps that's what he was going for, but as the game gets further into it, and he keeps injecting all these meanings into it, I think like it gets extremely ham-fisted, and that's what started to push me, before I got to the end, started to push me into thinking, how much of this is actually real, and what's being presented for me here?
2: If I had a friend, Polly, for example, started sending me a bunch of these really sad and depressing songs, I would I would think it was a call for help, and try to help. I, I totally see how... Yeah. That is a valid and appropriate response from Davey to try and help his friend.
1: I mean, I was asking those questions about like, wait, are these guys actually hanging out in real life? What's the context? Or is he just getting video games? Or is he also like seeing him in real person? Because he says some things about how he gets disconnected and...
3: Playing that tower game and he's like, I've realized this isn't the person I know. I don't know this person at all. And you never really know, I guess. I think it's a little
2: scary to just right off the idea that he should be searching or like monitoring the people around you to 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 make sure not like ensure their emotional state but if if the people around you are doing things sending you messages like they are that feels like they're crying for help I, i still think it's really important that you both try to do what you can and reach out to them and you know, there's that, that weird balance where you, you go, hey, are you doing all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. But you obviously see that that's not really the case.
3: Yes. And uh, I agree with you. And
2: tough, that's, that's a tough Really one. tough balance. Though. However,
3: that would be quite a jump for after I sent that and you asked me if I was all right. I was like, yeah, I just was wondering what you thought. And then you like put out the album and was like, <laughs> he needs this, guys. He really needs this.
1: Somebody tell him he's okay. Yeah
3: that's the jump that's the that's the line there that i don't feel is a healthy line to cross i'm sorry for using the term healthy again i don't know if that's the proper word for it uh,
0: uh, well i think a big part of this game is analyzing the point where anything becomes goes from healthy to unhealthy whether or not it's davy's exploitation of his artist friend's intimate personal art or whether it's actually coda's art itself becoming unhealthy in its portrayal of prisons or what have you
3: and just figuring out if you can find out what somebody's actually thinking from their art. Like, yeah, like devoid of context. There's, there's people that write horror movies that could be like the happiest people in the world, and they just really like the genre, you know, and they, they did all this on purpose. It doesn't mean you're necessarily a dark person. Or even further, it doesn't mean like you. they're different than anybody else. They're just in touch with that part of themselves. So, But we do that with everything. I mean, that's our podcast, right? We like... Look at all these games like, what does this mean? What are they trying to say here is something that commonly comes up. And it's an interesting topic to what can you actually grasp out of that, you know? I mean, obviously, I like doing it. That's why I'm on the podcast. But do any of the episodes we've put out, could that be hurtful to the developer? Probably, you know? There
2: it's are possible. definitely games we've had said unkind
0: things. Yeah, about my yeah. my comments Just on... Fucking rocks. Whatever that crappy game sci-fi you know what I'm talking about yeah I mean even on a more practical level it's just it's one of the troubles with art like if Polly tells me his favorite song or his the song he's most passionate about is one about abortion even at that point it's not really smart for me to conclude that Polly maybe have had personal experiences with abortion I just I can't make those kind of assumptions that can be a topic that has abstract interest to him or it could be very viscerally personal it would just be weird if I went around being like "Hell yeah my Paul my friend Polly is like I I don't know, you know?
3: And there was a time when I had more, hid the meaning of my songs a lot more, but then I started to take, like, a perverse enjoyment out of telling people exactly what it's about without giving any details, because I like that reaction that I get. Uh, I don't know.
0: How do you tell uh, someone exactly without details? Like, I (laughs) did to you guys. I told you this song's about abortion, but I didn't say it's pro or against
3: or anything like that. I just said that's what it's about. I got you. And... It's obviously a controversial topic. There's, It's shock jock. It's cheap, but there's also a thrill out of it.
0: You know, my first playthrough of this game, I thought that it was about the nature of criticism of art, video games specifically, but, you know, you can expand that to art in general. But this time we're talking about it, I think it's more about the creation of art itself, less about mm-hmm. the reviewing aspect.
1: Yeah, like the creative process.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And the experience of success. I think if we look at it as as a, art, piece as a whole and we assume that Coda is not real and that you know that there's meaning beyond his ex- sort of what he explicitly says about trying to convince his friend blah 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 I think there's all the themes that come back up I think all those pieces have meaning like the dark room with the cloud or the smoke you know the three dots I'm sure there's all this stuff that, that I don't quite know yet but you know I have <laughs> thoughts about what all the other pieces might mean
2: if, you're, if, Jeff, your friend started giving you games that felt the same kind of themes that Coda was going through, yeah. how would you have handled that situation? Uh, I'm
1: going to
4: sidestep that question just a little bit. <laughs> In that, one of the things about this game where I'm like, okay, okay, it's a game, it's fiction, it's cool, because the way Davey presented the issues he's having with Coda or that the issues he believes Coda is having is almost purely through, okay, here's this game, and now we go a week, a game, a week, a game, two months, a game, four months, a game, and then I don't hear anything from him for like six, seven months, a game. In real life, you probably email your homie or you call him up or you're like, hey, what's going on? How is it? And you have other paths for communication. Uh, not not simply analyzing every pixel and going through and digging source code out. You presented with Davey as being this... This person who who just has such social anxiety and, and the inability to correctly read a person that he's actually more comfortable telling strangers how he went through the code of a game and looked for similarities and ways to get past certain points that were never intended to be looked upon. And he dug deeper and deeper. And even that's a violation of probably what Coda was going for in his games, right? Why would you make a solution for something that didn't have one? That said, in real life, uh, if I've got a friend who's showing signs, at least that I can read as being troubled, I ask them, you know, hey, you want to talk? Can I be there for you? If uh, I get an answer that is a little proactive and, and a yes, let's get together. We get together and we talk and I help identify things as best I can. Or if I, if I get pushed off, I have the good fortune to be able to turf that to a psychologist and be like, hey, um, what are your thoughts? It's literally what I do quite often with friends and family and just anybody in the world of like, hey, what's probably going on? I don't know. What do you think, sweetie? So what do you think, sweetie? (laughs) (laughs) Flawless segue. (laughs) Um,
1: I think the question posed to me would be a little different because I was listening to uh, will pose the question to you because i'm thinking somebody was sending me games that has a slightly different meaning <laughs> knowing what i do and that's just two of two it's like if somebody's coming to me they're coming to me for something yeah but I, I think i would i would do what jeff does i would i would offer help i would be specific about the help that i'm offering so instead of saying something like is there anything i can do for you i might think of something very specific like is this something you want to talk about? Or, hey, let's go grab lunch and actually spend some time together. Because I think sometimes in any kind of situation, not necessarily sort of mentally troubled, but even just thinking about people who are recovering from injury or illness or having new babies. <laughs> when you say things like, hey, uh, you know, call me up anytime, it's really hard to call somebody up, be like, can you come and do my laundry? Because that'd be really great, that's what I need right now. But if you said like, let me bring you food, let me look after your dog, let me wash, change some diapers, you know, I think those kinds of things are much easier tasks for the person who might need help to, to answer. Yeah.
3: And that might be the thing that they're actually looking for to bring it back to the analogy you did with my music if I was sending you dark songs. Yes, I I actually would, if I did that, then I would want to know what you think about them. If you're taking them as dark, I could say, no, that's not exactly what I meant. What What I was going for was this actually, but I could see that and maybe that will help me develop my song if that's what I want to do. Or maybe that'll help me as a person if that's what we're doing. But just judging somebody based on what they give you and not following up with them or not actually trying to help them at all, just helping yourself with what they've given
0: you. Well, we're all pretty well-adjusted people, right? Like, No. I mean, not well, we're not people we're not <laughs> like, like, Yeah, talk about a dumb question to leave with. Hello, Pop. Do, does anyone remember a time in your life where you were so uncomfortable around other people that not to this extent, but to look for meaning was easier than to actually communicate with another human? Like, that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Again, this is, you know, an extreme, but I I remember parts of my life where I was terrified of other people and I would do anything to avoid being out with other people. Like I was definitely that guy.
3: And that's the and, world we live in now where you could do that and you could just put what you're thinking out on Twitter and then, mm-hmm. like, yeah, good luck. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the response you, you get might get elected Twitter isn't going to be as healthy as friends <laughs> that you may have in your life, actual people that care about you. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: and, I, and in fact, it's such an ineffective way to communicate and actually get help yeah. because you feel like you're screaming for help mm-hmm. and, and yet you have no idea whose years that actually landed on. And when you don't get help, you just. Construe that as more meaning that there's nobody that cares about you that the world is not helping me.
0: Yeah, it's self-reinforcing. Totally. So, so I think I would, if I were to
2: ask you the question, I kind of would have asked it in a different way. If you had, um, let's say, a patient
3: who give us all the details on all your patients.
2: Please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. You can't do.
3: <laughs> patient confidentiality. Hypothetical,
1: hypothetical patient.
2: <laughs> who didn't want to communicate with you in person who would rather send you tweets or send you six second vine videos or vine doesn't um, exist anymore limited time (laughs) (laughs) that that analogy could only work for another you know month or two they needed to perform songs for you but that's how they wanted to communicate with you. One, is that something you would accept in that kind of relationship or
0: are there other... Has that happened?
1: So, I mean, I I do have patients who throws tantrums or writes nasty notes or sends emails, not necessarily to me, but this is how they communicate to people in their lives. And this is in fact what we're working on when they come in for treatment. And the task is to actually be able to capture some of those moments and behaviors in session and call it out and say, hey, I notice when this happens, you totally fall apart. And then when you fall apart, the person who's asking you to do this thing suddenly gives up asking you to do that thing and you no longer have to do it. And you see how that's reinforcing this thing that you do and, and it doesn't seem like that's making you any friends, right, so we'll analyze those behavior samples And try to practice in session. So in the therapeutic relationship, something more constructive or effective for them to get to their goal. And then the hope is that they then generalize this behavior to other people in their lives. And with kids, the benefit, which I work with teens, just a disclaimer, the benefit of is I I tend to have family involved so that I could get family to actually practice with them at home. But yeah, I would totally call it out that many people can benefit from therapy because they have these patterns of interacting with people that are not necessarily effective and that they don't always notice and that when you can help them identify they're actually a more effective way to communicate what you need and get what you need it tends to turn things around a lot for people
3: it certainly makes you, me feel better
2: do you think coda should <laughs> do you think coda should change the way he's expressing himself
1: i'm not convinced that what Koda is doing is "Quote unquote unhealthy," right? Because we're interpreting Coda through Davy's eyes, and while Davy thinks that Coda needs feedback, maybe the point of Coda's games. Because I kept trying to go back to the part in the beginning where I thought Davy said that you know Coda works for blah 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 and creates these desert scenes and all. So I thought like, oh, Coda has a day job. He does all his whatever that keeps him alive that he makes a living from. And then he makes these little side games on the side for his own enjoyment. And I thought, like, if that's cathartic for him or if that's therapeutic for him or that's whatever purpose is serving, I didn't necessarily understand it as a cry for help or an intention to communicate with Davy as sort of the only outlet in which he can talk about his feelings or his needs.
3: I could be injecting something into the game, but I believe that it's kind of presented that Davy asks for the games and... Wants Coda to give him these games. Like he meets him at a game jam, and he's like, "Oh, like what have you worked on?" And he saw this game first, and he's like, "Oh, do you have anything else I can look at?"
4: I I got the same feeling, Paul. and
3: I don't know if that you can take that that and then say, "Like, oh, he really needs help. That's why he gave these to me." Like, no, he gave him Coda describes
2: it as his. I mean, he describes it being his trash can where he keeps all his games, right? So the idea that you're digging through somebody else's trash can, yeah, I I see it. I didn't. And Davey's like this. Wow.
1: He said renamed Recycle Bin or something. He
2: renamed the Recycle Bin on his computer to very important video games.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I interpreted Davey to be the super fan. Like he meets this guy and he's so enigmatic and he sees himself in this guy and he just want to be like his hero and he just want to understand his hero. And that's how he devolves into that desperation part at the end Mm -hmm. where he was like, I think he said something about like, And there's a piece of himself that he's not able to communicate. And he's just so lonely. Like, it then becomes about Davey.
3: Yeah, definitely does turn. He's talking about, uh, did I do something wrong? Was I I trying to find something within myself or something? Like, he asks Mm -hmm. himself these questions. And although it's a dark turn for the game, I almost kind of think it's a... It's a good piece of
0: growth for him.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like, he's understanding what he's done finally. I don't know if... I mean, the fact that he releases the game after all that is really Yeah, he didn't quite get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's really
2: interesting that the way that the game ends with basically the direct word from Coda being introduced and him. Yeah. So the the moment that you get to actually talk from Coda, he stops talking. And then right after that, Davy st- stops talking But then there's still more, and that the whole end of the game and that final scene where you're rising above the maze feels really solitary and lonely. Just because you've lost everything that's been with you throughout the entire game, I think that's a really (laughs) creepy way to end the game. Alright, so on that note, (laughs) 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 I think you said that this game was important to you while you were in the hospital.
0: When I first played this game, this was... When I got out of the hospital... So I what, I spent like three, four months in the hospital. And I was listening to Game of the Year podcasts. And I was not able to play any games. And I wanted to play two things when I got out of the hospital. Undertale and this game. And I played Undertale and I liked that and that was cool. Um, but I played this game once I was a little bit more ambulatory. So I was able to like kind of get off the couch. And I was just in a better... I was sort of more confident of the fact that I was going to be able to get back to normal life. And when I first played this, my overwhelming response was that it was a scathing criticism of YouTube culture, kind of people doing let's plays, people people gaining glory of their own for other people's work. And it's very interesting because now when I when I saw you guys play it today, I really didn't, that's not really what I took from it at all. And I don't, I'm kind of curious where I got such a strong impression, but the part in specific where he talks about external validation really rung true for me because especially in the hospital I kind of realized that I was content to live life as long as I was getting attention from my friends and maybe that's just a cynical way to look back at what was just me gathering strength from the people that surround me but I have this intense self-awareness now that I have a very concerning level of interest than just being the center of attention. And I think also a part of that was some of my, one of my friends that was there with me in Bali when the accident happened was very, very critical of my kind of making Facebook posts, kind of communicating what I was going through, getting lots of attention for that. And I guess I began to feel kind of a lot of shame for that. So when I play this game, and especially at the end, when I think of this person that's enjoying the works of other people and sharing that, It just kind of makes me think of my own life And how much I like How easily I could fall into that trap, I guess I don't really know what more to say on that But that's just something that really stuck with me
1: Oh, I I just think that That is such a i am gonna say this again it's such a human experience i actually recently heard a podcast about this guy who pretended to be a movie star and he built like this entourage and went out into new york and suddenly everybody thought he was a movie star and people would say like oh yeah i know him from this and this thing and you know his intention was to make this big ruse right about you know like the sort of media culture that you're talking about and the kicker was he said and i really liked it and i wanted to go out and do that every day and one of the things i wrote down as will was reading davy's blog was that this thing about external validation is that, and maybe we can all remember a time when we like did the work just for the work and that you feel proud about what you produced and then the moment somebody else recognizes that it's good work suddenly our value for the work becomes dependent on other people's opinions of it. And it's so hard to then go back to the original place of, oh, what I did was good enough. And I have this feeling every time, like, I mean, I don't, really do much creating of art and music and that kind of stuff anymore but i write grants and they're (laughs) a pain in the butt (laughs) and they're like these scientific things and there's so much i don't know they're just so hard but at the end of the day when i send them out i usually feel really proud of the work that i did and you get these number of months before you get these scathing feedback from reviewers And before that point, you feel so good about what you did. And I I always have this moment where I think like, oh, no matter if we we get this money or not, I'm really proud of this work. And then you get the feedback and your whole mentality changes and you just want to like curl up and cry. And in some ways, this is what money does. And when we work, and in the beginning, you're just working, working, working. And you know, when we start out our careers, we don't really get paid. As soon as we start getting paid at a certain level, that money becomes a marker of our value. And when we don't get it, we start to feel like, wait a second, what what happened to my value? And we forget that the value is actually the work that we produce. And we used to feel good about that before the money. Yeah. And I think that's that's what it made me think of. Like praise has that same effect. And so does attention, right? Because I think as humans, you know, we say like three things are primarily reinforcing because we're social animals. So it's attention, food, and sex. (laughs)
3: Sounds like a good list to me. (laughs) Sounds about right. Uh, One other thing I wanted to point out about your original reaction to the game, uh, scathing commentary on YouTube culture and things like that. Not to point it out to say, like, no, you are wrong. More in the fact that that's obviously a topic that is in his mind. Right after releasing The Stanley Parable, like days after releasing The Stanley Parable, on his blog, he put up a short little thing that said, I, Davey Rendon, founder of Galactic Cafe, give full permission for anyone to record, stream, and upload any videos of our games, including The Stanley Parable, to anywhere on the internet, and monetize these videos with ads. No need to ask our permission. Go forth and cultivate revenue. Sow the seeds of your own financial viability, monetize, and all is right with the world. So...
2: It was a very different time when... Game streaming in general was kind of questionable.
3: Yeah, and there, that was a but he in was 2013. Just, that was something where it was like, oh, well, it's he has a short game, and if people put this on YouTube, people might not buy the game. Then I mean, it's a, all you do is walk around in this game
0: anyway. You guys so.
2: experienced the whole game through me playing. Yeah, and I don't know if you
0: felt like you missed all that much, but no. um, if, I don't think it's a full game without the, this discussion. It's that kind of game. Yeah,
3: like I said, I don't want to say like you were wrong for thinking that, but obviously that's a subject that's in his mind if he's going to write something like that. Oh yeah, it's for not sure. Like,
0: oh no, you you
3: got it wrong. It's more like that may be something he included in this. That's one of the things he was thinking about, probably. You know. So I just found that interesting that that was. I, I kind of was similar to you. I was thinking the first thing I was thinking of when I started hearing about this game before playing it was reviewing games. Yeah. People who who have nothing to do with creating this content and putting worth to it and whether that's right or wrong is what i thought this game was going to be about and obviously i have deeper feelings than that now but yeah i thought it was kind of conveyed every everywhere i ingest media about games this game came across as strange to me because nobody really wanted to talk about it the reviews i read of it was like well there's a lot of different ways to look at this there was a a big discussion online because one of the reviewers i believe from kotaku it could have been polygon i'm not too sure anymore. She said if you have a problem with this game after completing it, then you can return it to Steam. And everybody took that as like, that's messed up. She's saying to like not give this developer any money. So
2: Steam's developed a new policy lately in the last year or two, where if you've played less than two hours of the game, then you can request the money back. This game only takes an hour and a half (laughs) to finish, so...
3: So obviously Twitter freaked out on the reviewer and was like that's that's not right to say and she like updated and clarified like what i meant was if you have a, i didn't want to spoil it but if you have a problem with the moral ambiguity of this game then if you feel bad then return it and don't give the developer any money and the creator D- Davey Rendon actually said like he supports everything she said about it and he agrees with her yeah. there's no hard feelings or anything like Just that. logical. A little bit of A spin on it that i read i don't know how true it is is that she received validation from him that she felt good about what she said so to me that says kind of like he he discussed what the actual meaning was like he didn't keep it from her because she had this whole shit storm on on her ass but you can infer that as kind of meaning that this game is a work of fiction i think or he could, also where, where he way, could be like,
1: Coda's cool, I'm giving him the money. Yeah,
3: yeah it could be the other way. Yeah, that's true. Putting all this money in a, in a trust for as soon as Coda comes back to me. <laughs> yeah. He's locked in a dungeon right now, so he can't talk, but...
1: He's so mad at me, he's never talking to me
2: <laughs> I think the last topic that I wanted to talk about was the music in the game. There were... There's also some sounds, which I would like to talk about. But Polly, what can you tell us about the music from this thing?
3: Well, I liked the music. I think for the most part, but it it was created by Dual Ryan. This is his, I guess performer name, it's a uh, Ryan Roth. Um, and he has done music for a lot of games. There's a huge list of games he's done here, but some of them include Electronic Superjoy, The Yog, and where I first picked up his music was in Starseed Pilgrim. Very abstract electronic stuff he did in that game. So obviously, this game is a little bit more score-like. I would say, almost like movie score-esque. A little ambient. Yeah, a little bit of ambient music, and. Uh,
2: Do you think Duel Ryan worked
3: with Davey or Coda? Ooh. <laughs> I think I think Davey because one That's of the, the things question. I. That's actually what I wanted to talk about. Was I think sometimes the music, as you brought up, is discordant and almost there's almost like a heavy, ominous presence to in places. I think it also injects meaning into these games where I would doubt that Koda had music in the games, but maybe he did.
4: I agree with you, Polly. Like it, it's too polished for the level of development. Yeah. Uh, that he you know. put into. So it's the like visual.
3: Maybe it was like, oh yeah, this, this, this is where it gets really dark, so if you could just put some like abstract noise and just heavy whispering and that kind of thing.
2: So definitely um. the sounds I thought were crazy. I think one of the only actual human figures in this game is the girl crying in the jail. Mm-hmm. And, it's, right. and she's just like...
4: <gasps> they didn't give her a blockhead, did they?
2: No. no she's one of the only... I think one of the only... Yeah, Full cover in her face,
3: feet. but she has hair, and the jail is actually a, like a living room setting, but it's the jail that he created in the game. Well, and so.
1: that was the part where, like, is the jail on the outside or the inside?
3: Yeah, it could totally be a piece of art in a museum, <laughs> that picture right there, her cuddled on the couch crying, you know, like, powerful stuff.
2: And there were a bunch of things like that, and um, when I had my eyes closed, listening to the, the spaceship, and I'm like, what is going on think, here?
4: What
3: and the game closes with a song by Dual Ryan with, um, what's the name of the woman that sings on Helena? that? Helena. Helena Heron. Or Heron? One of those two. But that's the only song I believe that actually has lyrics, and it's an outro song, if you will. You get the I joke will. there, because Coda is
0: like an outro. Very
3: nice. Yeah,
0: I did it.
2: One thing that I almost brought up five times over the course of this game is a company called Blendo Games. So is shaking his head. Their most recent game uh, was Quadrilateral Cowboy. Ah. But before that, they made about a half a dozen other games. But the thing that's really interesting about them is they tend to be these short 15-minute games, pretty simple very, very simple graphics, like Quake 3-level graphics. But they show these quick stories that you could only do in video games. They're like 15-minute vignettes. They're really, really interesting.
0: They're on, like, itch?
2: Uh, so I'm not sure where you can get them. I think I downloaded them. Gravity Bone was the one that first got me turned on to them and, and the one that I can really think about. And I think we'll probably do a Quadrilateral Cowboy episode later. But if you are at all interested in the kind of I would say like the development mentality that Coda was into, I think these are some, a, a good, just going through their back catalog is a, a cool, interesting way. And actually personally, I think that that idea of coming up with a, a 15 minute experience and being able to really explore the versatility of video games as a, a communications or an entertainment me- methodology, whatever. Mechanism. Um,
0: yeah are really really interesting that's kind of the premise of itch isn't it itch.io that's what i think of that website as being useful for is those those experiences that are too small to really fit into any other game platform
2: um so i personally haven't explored itch but I, that does sound like what i hear from them so maybe I'll, I'll give it more of a try
0: yeah it might be a good place to start as well i think one of the things that i like the most about both this game and the stanley parable is the intense level of self-awareness almost an awkward paralytic sort of self-analysis and i get told a lot by people that i actually get really close to and start talking about how i think too that i think way too much and that there's always too many thoughts going through my head and playing these games really makes me feel like (laughs) i have someone who's also in that boat it feels like He kind of made the stanley parable and started analyzing what was going on in his head i mean that blog post i think is the real giveaway of there's a lot of i think what he felt was not unique to him i think given that level of success a lot of people would have felt similar things but his level of verbosity and self-awareness in analyzing it is something that i think is really interesting and cool i just really like that i mean i remember in the stanley parable when he starts analyzing your ability to make choices and stuff like that just being completely delighted with how abstract and cerebral it was. Cerebral was the word that kept coming up in that game in particular, and this one too. And for that reason I really felt like these are something special. Yeah, they really revel in the fine details of what it means to be involved in either playing or making games, and I think that's really interesting. And he's got a voice that no one else is really able to capture, I don't think. So I think they're really really unique and really cool.
2: Alright, Jeff, what do you think?
4: What are your final thoughts on this game? What speaks to me most about this game, knowing that my experience of it is limited to today, is that we have easily spent more time thinking and discussing it than anybody anybody would spend playing it, and not in angry. This is dumb. This is uh, you know, <laughs> a waste kind of thing. Or you know, it's so exciting, but a lot more calm, thoughtful, analytical discussion, and with an exploration of emotions, shouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. But if you have an hour and a half to play and a couple hours to think as you go on after that completely worthwhile. Um, Enjoyed it. How about Paulie next?
3: Well, I just... I just... It really angers me that some fraud game developer can put out this trash <laughs> and <laughs> expect us to find enjoyment in it. You don't. There's no gameplay at all. All you do is walk around. There's no enemy. Not even a game. There's not a mechanic to this. No enemy is it within. <laughs> um, obviously, I appreciate the hell out of this game for reasons that are hard to define for me. He it feels like in creating this, he did something that I would love to do with my art. And I'm not sure exactly what that is, but part of it is the pretentiousness. I love pretentiousness and I love <laughs> me too. That, um, that exploration. This game begs to be analyzed and it also kind of hates being analyzed, which yeah. is great. And the, the way that talking about this game, if somebody didn't know we were talking about a game or saying the word game all the time, even though that's a tough one. For this one it sounds like we're discussing literature or a piece of art or something like <laughs> that and i love that especially like with the way that it's come up so often our games are like this yes obviously this is art to me at least i mean if you if you disagree that's fine that's your perception of it if you just want to play a game where there's online multiplayer and shooting and things like that that's cool too but i appreciated the hell out of this and i would love to keep talking about it with anybody who wants to listen I definitely recommend it to, to many people. I would recommend, if you've played this before, Stanley Parable, go back and check out Stanley Parable because that's another great one. Um, I appreciate this more because I played Stanley Parable and I actually like this more than Stanley Parable. I had a little bit of something that was missing from the Stanley Parable. If you remember, I believe I gave that like a 9 or a 9.5 or something like that out of 10. This totally gets a 10 from me. I think it's a gorgeous piece of art that I think didn't get too much attention in the media, but I think it's, looking back at this game, this is going to be something that's explored over the years in, like, talks about the recent game movement of indie games and games as art and interactive fiction, walking simulators, non-playable games, whatever you want to call them.
2: I loved it. Cutting right to the chase, I'm right there with you. I think this game is Perfect 10. I love the way that this game is presented fits for me perfectly. I both truly appreciate little excerpts of video game, almost excerpts of video games. The This little, here's a new area, like the being stuck in an area for the first time and figuring out what's around me and exploring the, these new areas. That, those are some of my favorite parts of games to start with. And so that this whole game is a bunch of those really worked well for me. And then I enjoy a lot of my media through audio. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks, uh, podcasts, et cetera, and so forth. So just listening to him narrate to me fit the style of media that i like to consume so much of this game feel felt like it was just made for me for the kind of person i am for the kind of gamer i am the wannabe developer that i am this game just spoke to me on so many different levels i feel bad for davy i feel like i just want to go and Give the guy a hug and tell him you don't need to feel bad. That that you you've made something special, and, and ironically, that's exactly what he's saying he doesn't want. And so it's like anyway, I I I really am appreciative for what he's created here. Um, so Frida. Why don't you round us out?
1: Oh, I'm not a gamer. I uh, don't play video games, and totally came into this not knowing what to expect. And I actually thought that Will intentionally created this surprise experience. <laughs> but as someone who doesn't really know much about video games, and except beyond sort of hearing in the general news about you know these new trends in indie games, I How found they're
2: corrupting your children and yeah, actually, mostly <laughs>
1: With- about. Mostly about women game creators sort of changing the field. That's, kind of that's what awesome. I'm hearing. And creating these alternate experiences that's different than sort of like the shoot 'em up and all of that. I can imagine if I was asked to come and play this, the problem solver in me would have been totally frustrated for like halfway through the game. But knowing that Will sort of invited me for like my input on feelings basically i knew that my task was different and i took notes i think differently and i was just so impressed with how many universal themes that popped out to me as a person who doesn't play games and who doesn't really understand sort of the basic tropes that people were talking about i easily connected with the sort of ideas that that were presented throughout like the the puzzle room where you go in and there's the black smoke and what i thought was oh in any dark moment, when we need to move on, you have to be willing to go through it. That there's no, like, I just got to wait to see what's going on before I figure out. In order to open the next door, you have to be willing to sit in the darkness. And then the next door opens. Right. Anyway, that was just like a little snippet of sort of an example of all the other themes that that jumped out at me. And this discussion has just really made me appreciate what video games can do even though i've always appreciated this this podcast as this idea of like oh people can come together and talk about their feelings through their experiences of video games this is completely awesome <laughs> um so all in all that this was super fun so thank you will
3: and i would just like to thank frida yes thank yeah, you absolutely you and, so and, and jeff for coming on uh your presence has been awesome on this yeah, podcast jeff. especially yeah jeff did okay <laughs> <time>?
2: I, think, <laughs> I think so yeah
3: that's funny yeah but uh no i, I totally appreciate you i hope you guys didn't offend you with my portion song or anything like that
4: and it wasn't <laughs> no, no. wasn't meant Can't in that way long as soon as i said it and, and then he's he, <laughs> he like oh yeah but no
3: i just wanted to say thank you guys so much for being here uh i loved the input. i was a little worried about it having felt so differently at the beginning as well. i was a little worried that we were kind of setting you up hey and this is going to be dark and this would all go downhill from here but i i, I love this conversation and hopefully our listeners enjoyed it as well
2: this brings us to the end of another awesome episode of the emotive pixels podcast if you want more from us, you can find us on iTunes and at our webpage, www.emotivepixelspodcast.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com emotivepixels or follow us on Twitter at emotivepixels. And as always, keep, keep on, on playing. playing.